Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the group's resident here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. And so whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. Welcome back after a couple weeks off. It's good to see you, good to see many of you. I think the last time I saw a lot of you was Christmas and Christmas Eve services. So welcome back. Uh, I'm sure just in light of the holidays, so Christmas and New Year, you've probably spent a lot of different time with a lot of different groups of people, maybe family or friends, whatever it is. Isn't it true that in every group of people, in every crowd, uh, you can always kind of find the oddball? You can always find like the one... If you don't know what I'm talking about, like it's you. That's the bad news for you. But you know how any crew, like any group, any crowd, anywhere that you are, you can find one that usually sticks out. It's a little bit different. They're a little bit different than everybody else around them. Uh, and it's kind of just a life thing. We just kind of go through life experiencing this in different groups or different people. Well, here's the deal. The series that we're kicking off today, uh, if you put all of the characters in the Bible together, all of the authors, everybody in the same room, there would be a couple that would stick out. And sometimes that's a great thing. And sometimes that's not a great thing. Uh, sometimes you look at those people and you go, I want to be just like them. I want to stick out. I want to be different. I, I want to look different. I Like that. I want to emulate that. Other times, you know what I'm talking about. It is the exact opposite. We look at them. We use them as illustration for our kids. We say, don't do that. Don't be like that. The, the book that we're going to unpack together for the next seven weeks or so uh, is the second one. It's a character named Jonah in the Bible, and he is one, his life is one that we look at. I think we've, we've been given it, and it's been preserved, not just to teach us about Jonah and what not to do, but also to teach us about God and who God is. So let me, if you're new to church, if you're new to the Bible, if you haven't read Jonah before, if you don't know much about him, let me describe him to you to give you kind of a snapshot picture of what this character is like that we're going to spend some time unpacking. So here's how I summarized him. Jonah is one of the most selfish, angry, disobedient, stubborn, indignant, merciless, cruel, apathetic, and dramatic prophets in all of scripture. And we picked him. We are so excited about this series and just to unpack, because there's a truth here with this. If this guy is a prophet, considered a man of God, one who God spoke not just to, but through. Here's somebody who had a big impact on the kingdom of God in the lives of probably hundreds of thousands of people. If God can use him, the good news is God can use all of us. Every single one of us. This, this story is packed with so much and it's short. If you've never read the book of Jonah before, it's four chapters long. You could read it in 10 minutes and get the whole story. We thought it would be great to pull it out over a couple weeks to unpack little bits along the way to see what God is doing, not just in Jonah's life in the story, but also what he might be doing and stirring and cultivating in your own. So let's dive in. This is Jonah chapter one, starting in verse one. It goes like this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. The first thing I want you to notice, right, that, that jumps out at you is this. God speaks. 
The first part of the whole book, the first verse, the first chapter, everything points to the Lord gave this message to Jonah. Jonah Jonah heard from God. And God spoke and he gave him an assignment and he said, I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh. And I don't know what you think of when I say great city. Maybe you think big, maybe, maybe you think like a center for the arts, maybe you think wealthy, maybe, you, I, I don't know what you think. Maybe you think just good, healthy, safe. Nineveh was some of those things. Nineveh was, was some of them. I mean, if I show you a photo, this is an artist's rendition of what Nineveh probably actually looked like. I, I mean, beautiful, great, expansive, powerful, wealthy. It was humongous. And God called Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. Well, Nineveh was one of the most affluent cities of its time, but it was also the capital of the Assyrian Empire. So if you're not a history buff, if you don't know about the Assyrian Empire like I didn't know this week, here's some of the stuff that I would tell you about Assyria. And it'll give you a picture of how Jonah received the message from God. These people that I'm about to describe to you are those that Jonah was sent to. So here's the thing. Nineveh, capital and one of the largest, most affluent cities of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire was known for its warrior culture, its fear tactics, psychological warfare, and propaganda to maintain their control. They had a reputation for doing something called mass deportation. Any area, any territory, any city that they would move into and conquer, what they would do is they would establish rule, they would overthrow whatever government exists or law enforcement, they would overthrow all of it, take residence, and mass deport huge numbers of people into foreign areas also under their control so that anywhere you went, if you weren't part of the Assyrian Empire, you were a minority. It was to prevent uprisings or rebellion. It was to force submission and control. These people were known all over the world. They were some of the most feared people in all of the world. Here's how one prophet describes them in the Bible. This is Nahum chapter three. Nahum writes, what sorrow awaits Nineveh, the city of murder and lies. She is crammed with wealth and is never without victims. Hear the crack of whips, the rumble of wheels, horses' hooves pound, and chariots clatter wildly. See the flashing swords and glittering spears as the charioteers charge past. There are countless casualties, heaps of bodies, so many bodies that people stumble over them. There's different versions of this text that you can read that are even more graphic that describe what this city was. It was a wicked city full of wicked people. And I want you to catch something too, is that God doesn't just stand passive. God doesn't just stay away. God doesn't just say, well, they're just going to do what they're going to do. What God does is he sees their wickedness. He notices it. It bubbles up to him. And so he taps on the shoulder of one of his prophets named Jonah. And he says, I want you to go to them. And I want you to preach to them. And I want you to exclaim that my judgment is upon them as a people as a city who has largely turned their backs on God. God notices, God sees, God responds, and God sends a person to communicate the message. How many of you envy the role of the prophet Jonah at this point? 
You're like, yes, sounds like an awesome job. Here's the part of the world. If you wanted to visit Nineveh today, do you know that you could visit Nineveh today? This is what it looks like today. It's in Mosul, Iraq. This is where he was sent. This is the exact place. It's the, I mean, you notice the river going through it. God sent Jonah to a people that desperately needed him. The problem where the story falls apart, where the wheels come off in this whole thing is this. Jonah hates them, hates Nineveh, hates the city, hates the people, doesn't want anything to do with them. So here's what happens if we keep reading. Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah got up and he went in the, say it with me, opposite direction. God says, go this way. Jonah goes that way. He goes in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Also catch that. Jonah's not just running from Nineveh. Jonah is running from God. And, and it says it again here in a second. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So let me show you a map, right? For those of you that don't know where all these places are, this is Joppa. So Jonah shows up to Joppa, gets on a boat and is intending to move 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. God called him 550 to Nineveh in the opposite direction. Before we rip apart Jonah, before we judge him, before we say, what a naughty prophet, we can learn and we'll do better and we make better decisions, what I just want to ask or insinuate is, do you think he had a good reason to? Make him a human being for a second. Put yourself in his shoes, the thing that you detest, the thing that you don't want to move toward, the thing you don't want to let go of, the people group that have hurt you, the people that have hurt your ancestors, your, your family's rival for generation after generation after generation, those who took, those who stole, those who manipulated, those who robbed, those, those who did so much damage, not just to you as an individual, but to your family and to your culture for generations. And God says, I want you to go to them. What is is your worst case scenario? For Jonah, I, I imagine it would be one of two things. Either his worst case scenario is, God, you've just called me to go to a suicide mission. And you just picture what that must have felt like for Jonah. You're, you're telling me to go to the heart of some of the worst people on the planet. You're asking me to go to the epicenter of this wickedness and of this evil. You're asking me to go right there in the middle of the city center, surrounded by tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people who hate me, who have abused my people, who have taken advantage of my people. You're asking me to go right there and then proclaim, then preach, another translation uses, to preach, God is judging you. You want me to do what? That was the ask of God to Jonah. Maybe his worst case scenario is there I am and they will kill me. And they'll just move on with their life. They'll never think twice about it. Is it possible that that was his worst case scenario? Or this is the other side. The longer I sat with it, the more I went, man, maybe, maybe this is worth. Maybe Jonah didn't care so much about his life. Maybe he wanted them to get destroyed. Maybe the worst case scenario here in this whole plan is that God doesn't destroy Jonah's enemies. God spoke to Jonah. He said, I, I'm going to destroy them if they don't turn because they've turned their backs on me and they're wicked people. 
So go tell them. Maybe Jonah's worst case scenario is they get forgiven. Perhaps that's why God chose Jonah. God could have chosen anybody. He could have sent anybody. Jonah's aversion to the people of Nineveh revealed something that is going on much deeper inside of his own heart. And what we'll find out, not just today, but as we unpack Jonah over the next couple weeks, is God pursues Jonah just as aggressively, just as intentionally as he does the Ninevites. He, He goes after both in the exact same way, but in this case, it's sending one to the other. It's an interesting story, isn't it? We're only three verses in. I mean, how much gets packed into this story? I mean, it just, it has me on the edge of my seat as I read it because you see Jonah's a real person. And so he gets on the boat and I can imagine all these thoughts going through his head. I wrote down some of them. I can imagine the thoughts going through his head right now saying, it's too inconvenient for God to ask me to go now. Now that I'm on the boat, I've already paid my fare. I'm moving in the opposite direction. It's too inconvenient. Surely God must send someone else now. Have you ever had that thought in your mind? I said no to God or I didn't respond to something that he asked me to do. And so I moved on with my life. Surely God will have moved on as well and asked somebody else. Maybe this thought hit his mind. I'm safe now. Maybe this thought crossed his mind. If I don't want to then I don't have to. Or this one, those people deserve to die. I think Jonah got on the boat and he moved on with his life. And I think his mistake was thinking that God would too. We'll find out, I mean, next couple weeks, God goes after him in a variety of surprising and ironic ways. But before we move on to any of that, I just want to ask you, can you relate to being Jonah at all? Is there something in your life right now that exists that God is asking you to move towards that you just don't want to? Is there a location that God's asking you to move to? Maybe a new job. Maybe maybe to sell your house, move somewhere else. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's not a place for you. Maybe it's a person that God's asking you to move towards a person. Maybe it's an emotion. Maybe it's, it's something that has is, is happened in your life that you say, I want to stay away from that. I don't want to go near that. I don't want to research that. I don't want to talk about that. I want to ignore that with everything in me. There's something in your life that you say, I have an aversion to it, and it is so great that I, I'm not just going to move in a different direction. I want to move in the opposite direction of that. What is it for you in your life? As I sat with this, uh, this week, I, I had to wrestle with the same question and went, God, what, what's my Nineveh? What's the thing that I have an aversion to? And you know what I noticed? What's funny is it, it's, in my life, it's often people who have hurt me. It's people who have done damage to me, people who have who've hurt or offended or cost me something. It, it could be from years ago. It could be from days ago. It can be hours. It doesn't matter what it is. There's an aversion where there's pain, where I feel conflict and strife. And many of you, if you know me and you know my personality, tends to be more affront, right? Maybe more assertive or more aggressive. When it comes to people who cause me pain, there's none of that. There, there, it's almost a retreat, 
I want to get away. I want to move away. I want to steer away. And what's funny is the emotions tend to take over and the frustration and the anger and many of the things that I use to describe Jonah are actually descriptors of me when I feel like God moving me towards a specific place or a specific person or a specific pain that I don't want to. Can any of you relate to that? Here's what I've learned. If I could summarize the first three verses of the book of Jonah. Here's what I would say. There's always another boat. You can always find a boat going in a different direction. It doesn't matter what it is for you. It doesn't matter any of the examples I've given you already. If God is steering you or calling you or inviting you to step into something that you don't want to, newsflash, not a spiritual statement, there's always another option. Doesn't mean it's the right option. Does it mean it's a sanctioned option? Does it mean it's a non-sinful option? But there is always a boat headed in a different direction. I looked up Tarshish, like in this whole story, because Nineveh gets a lot of attention, and Jonah gets a lot of attention, and God gets a lot of attention as he goes after him. I was like, what, what about Tarshish? Is there anything cool in Tarshish? I looked even through the Bible. Do you know what Tarshish is mentioned for? It's really funny. Three things. Tarshish is known for precious metals like gold, monkeys, and peacocks. You can look that up yourself. We don't know much more about Tarshish other than that. Here's what I, I just resonate with Jonah. Jonah goes, do I want to go to the worst people on the planet? Or do I want to go with a bunch of monkeys and bananas and peacocks? And Jonah moved the opposite direction. It was a relief. It was an escape. It was a different direction. He wasn't moving towards something as much as he was moving away from someone. And the text articulates it's not just Nineveh. He moved away from God. You ever been there? There's always another boat headed in a different direction. If you're new to Frontline, if this is your first Sunday or first couple Sundays, maybe you've been here for a couple months, uh, I'm relatively new to the role that I'm in right now as lead pastor here. Uh, Brian and I just did a handoff. Uh, Brian was the lead pastor here for 16 years before me. Uh, and then he was on staff uh, another handful of years before that. So Brian's been here longer than anybody. And so I he and I started this process of a lead pastor transition about three and a half years ago. And I remember uh, being excited, right? Young leader stepping in. I love this church. I have loved this church, been on staff for a while. And so I remember when some of the, the apparent next steps became clear, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be in a leadership role here. And I remember starting to dream and starting to think and go, what do I want to do here? And what do I want my leadership to be? And what direction do we need to go as a church? And I remember I had this moment where I was in my office and I, I, I yielded it. And I said, God, what is it that you want for this church? Because I got all sorts of ideas. What is it that you actually want for this church? And I felt like he gave me three things. And if you've been around here before, you've heard me say these three things. It was this. It was prayer, missions, and the next generation. That's what I felt like he gave me. Now, you might look at me and go, wow, that's really spiritual and that's really cool. I, I didn't have the same thought when I got these three things. I looked at this and went, that's not even my top 10, God. Here's why. I feel like a baby when it comes to prayer. 
If I look at my own prayer life and my own prayer journey, I feel like I've learned so much over the last couple years, and I feel like I don't know anything yet. It's not an area of strength for me. It's an area of, of weakness or vulnerability. If I look at missions, I've served on the missions field, especially when I was in college and seminary. I served out on the, on the, on the field for missions, for the kingdom, and, and I felt inept. I felt useless. I felt like, what is the saying? A square peg in a round hole? It was like, this doesn't, I'm not good at this. This doesn't fit. If I think about the next generation, I'm the most uncool 31-year-old you've ever met. And I don't know how to use social media. My wife still helps me with that stuff. I don't feel like I connect well with younger people. I, and I, I remember looking at this list going, God, pick something I'm good at. Pick something that I, that I can bring energy to. Bring something that, that I can bring strength to. And here, here's the thing. I look at these three and I go, I feel weak, I feel vulnerable, I feel insecure, I feel inept, I feel ill-equipped, and I feel like that's exactly where God wants me to be. A lot of you have so many gifts in these areas. If I look at some of what our church is doing right now through a lot of you, it just blows my mind. If I look at our prayer team and the way that our prayer team prays during every service, prays for every prayer request, anything that you've ever submitted online that has been prayed for, or you drop it in the box on the way out, or you stop with our prayer team in the back, we have a team that is regularly praying for all of you every single day. If I, if I look at, at missions, we just moved our essential store, which used to be on a far part of our building. Now it's adjacent to our lobby. We moved to our essential store because it's our arm into the community where we can actually help people that need things like deodorant and soap and shampoo and toothpaste. And so they have shoppers that come in. These are, this is hundreds of people in our community that are served by that, given what they need, not as a hand out, but as a hand up. And they're interacting with many of you, different languages and cultures and people groups that have never been into our church before that, that don't even know the name of Jesus before, and I'm, I'm being honest with you when I say that, are coming in through our doors because of the way that many of you are serving and giving to support that and a thousand other things we have here, global trips and local trips and partners with hand-to-hand -hand and schools in our community. It's incredible. If I look at the next generation, it's why in the next two and three weeks, we're sending over 60 kids to winter retreats. Because we, we just know, and from experience, God shows up when you, when you can get a group of kids outside of normal day-to-day -day life. When you get them away from home and away from school or away from work or away from, from how whatever it is that we're all used to functioning in it. When, when you get them away and God speaks, it can change the trajectory of their lives. I look at this and I go, wow, God, it's incredible. There was another boat. It was anything else that I would have rather done. Have I done this well? Have I done this perfect? No. Please, please hear this. This has nothing to do with me. What, what I'm asking you is, is there one of these that God's put on your heart that he's actually moving you towards and asking you to be a part of? Asking you to serve in? Asking you to give to? Asking you to contribute to? Is there something that God is stirring on your heart? Because even if it's not your top 10, God might be inviting you like he did to Jonah to do something in and through you unlike anything else you've experienced before. It's hard being Jonah. If you haven't figured it out yet, we're all Jonah. 
Every last one of us has the opportunity. If you look at Jonah and the options that he was given, option one was to be obedient, to say yes to God, to move in the direction that God had called him to do. And it may have cost him everything, but it was all at risk. Option number two is not that different. It was disobey. It was move in the direction that Jonah wanted to. It was go to a people and a place full of monkeys and bananas that tickled his fancy that he was way more excited about. And guess what? He risked everything. We can't avoid risk in the kingdom of God. We're either obedient or we're disobedient. Which one will you choose? Jonah's not that different than all of us. For every one story that I got one of these right, I've got about a hundred of when I didn't, when I delayed, when I said no, when I turned somebody down, when I didn't respond, when I offloaded it to somebody else. But if God can use Jonah, God can use all of us. I wonder if some of you are exhausted right now coming into the new year post-Christmas, post-New Year's Eve, post-family gatherings and travel, I wonder if a lot of you are exhausted. And maybe it's not because of the plethora of parties and people and things that you've been doing. I wonder if it's maybe because God is calling you and inviting you to go in a specific direction with something in your life to move towards some pain, something that frustrates you, something that you don't want to, that, that if, if you had your way, you would avoid. I wonder if the reason many of us are exhausted is because instead of being obedient and moving towards that, we're moving in the opposite direction. I bet Jonah was tired. And what you'll see next week is we find him in a nap. And there's a lot to unpack next week. I wonder if you're tired. I'm tired. God's presented an opportunity not just to Jonah, but to us to lean in and to say, I'm inviting you to do a work inside of you, not just for the sake of others, but also for your sake. Jonah is a character that is not meant for us to just hyper-focus on. Jonah is a character that should ultimately point us to the person of Jesus. God loves us. He's a relational God. He didn't create a bunch of computers that just automatically execute anything that he says. He invites us into a relationship full of trust, full of love, full of, full of a dynamic type of relationship through prayer and scripture and doing life in the local body and church like this. God's invited us, and so because he doesn't force us, he gives us a choice. Well, Jonah was given the choice. Jonah ran the opposite direction. He ran from God, and we will see in the next couple of weeks what happens to him. But here's the other thing is Jonah, if he points to Jesus, Jesus was also given a choice. <clears throat> On the night that Jesus was betrayed and handed over by one of his own disciples for a bag of money, Jesus was in the garden and he was praying before his heavenly father and he was overcome with the stress and the anxiety and the pressure of what was about to happen. And his prayer to his heavenly father said, if there's any other way, please let me have it. But your will be done. And Jesus, given the opportunity to flee, 
given the opportunity to run in the opposite direction, given the opportunity to be disobedient, instead focused his attention on his heavenly father and he said, I will obey, even to the point of death. And you know what? It teed up his best work because he went to the cross and the nails went through his hands and his feet. And as he hung there, he looked out at a room full of Jonah's. He looked at us, loving us, saying they're worth it. Father, please forgive them. And as he died on the cross, he rose again three days later. He defeated the grave. He conquered it. And then he extended the invitation to all of us. Will you trust me with your life? Will you follow me with your life? Will you be obedient to me? Because I've got a plan for you and a purpose for you and a hope for you. And I want to do a work, not just through you, but in you. I think that's why God chose Jonah. Is God wasn't content just saving Nineveh despite Jonah. He went after both. I think God's been going after all of us. And I think he's got something planned for all of us as we look to this next year as well. This is the time of year when people set New Year's resolutions and they set a high bar and a high goal and this is who I want to be and this is what I want this year to be known for. But what if we did something different today? What if we asked this question today? Instead of what do I want to do, what is God asking me to do? Here's my challenge to you. Before you leave today, answer that question. It doesn't have to be gigantic. It could be something small, it could be something financial, it could be something relational, it could be something marital, whatever, whatever it is. What is God asking you to do? I'd encourage you, write it down. Put it in your phone. Put it in your journal. Write it down before you get to your car. And here's the second question. What's the other boat? Just name it. If God's inviting you and asking you to do something or to go to someone or to forgive someone or to give access to the Holy Spirit to a part of your heart that you don't want touched, what's, what's your other op- option? Will we be a people and a church and a society, a family that yields and submits to our Heavenly Father? or will will we be known as Jonas who take the other boat and run in the opposite direction? As we close today, I just asked Carol Ann if she would pray for us. And what I I would ask of you, even just right now, is just as we go into these next couple songs, uh, just to posture your heart, just to open your heart, just like the songs that we sang earlier, and just to say, God, what is it that you're asking me to do? If that means kneel where you're at, then kneel. If that means sit, if that means stand, if that means extend your arms, whatever it means, I just want to encourage you right now just to get into the posture of saying, God, I am available to you and I actually want to do what it is that you want me to do. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that you call us beloved. We are so thankful that you actually desire relationship with us, with your children. So God, I I thank you too for just how you correct us, your children, so gently. Lord, I pray that for those that are struggling, um, maybe they've already hopped into that boat going in a different direction. 
Lord, would you correct gently as you always do? Would you draw them back this morning? And Lord, for us who um, might be deciding what the answer to that question is, Lord, what you want us to do, I pray that you would bring clarity and that you would bring your peace, though what you're asking us to do might not be easy. I pray that you would bring your unmistakable peace that passes all understanding, Lord. I pray that your word would confirm these things and that your word would give us direction. We also pray, Holy Spirit, that you would enable us to do the things that you're asking, that you would give us courage to be obedient, that you would give us just a, a true spirit of surrender in Jesus' name. And so we just ask all of this, Lord, in the mighty and powerful and worthy name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.